The Christian Andriacchio case was prematurely closed by authorities, but many questions remain. Come behind the curtain and follow private investigator Sheila Wysocki as she uncovers the truth about what happened to Christian. This is Without Warning. Christian's family gives their full permission for any and all details to be shared in hope that the truth will come out. If you know anything at all, call 1-888-599-0008 or email tips at SheilaWysocki.com. My digital director, Selena, celebrated a birthday. To make it special, I got her daily harvest. Selena is a vegan and has very selective nutritional needs. Daily Harvest's ingredients are sourced and selected for maximum nourishment and peak season flavor. It was the perfect gift to choose for Selena. Daily Harvest is the quickest and most convenient way to eat a delicious meal or snack, whether you're at a desk, on the go, or at study hall. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code WOW to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code WOW for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com, dailyharvest.com. Warning, the following episode contains details about sexual violence and elements that are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. dial 911 during a critical event to get help for a victim as quickly as possible. What is said in a 911 call could profoundly impact the victim and an investigation. Could the person calling 911 actually be the killer or are they the helpful friend? On this episode of Without Warning Podcast, I will be discussing the Christian Andriacchio 911 call. I have brought in some experts ranging from a former Los Angeles police officer who had worked on over 600 homicides, Mark Gillespie, a forensic expert and former special agent. I will also have a discussion between myself, Ray Andriacchio, Josh Andriacchio, and Lori Morrison, a private investigator. Each person has listened to the 911 call several times, broken it down, and weighed in with their expert opinion. Why start with the 911 call? This is where most investigations begin with the question, 911, what's your emergency? So that is where we are going to start together with Christian Andriacchio's case. 911, what's your emergency? 
Listen to what was said. Christian. 911, where's your emergency? Ma'am, we've had a suicide. You had a suicide? Yes, ma'am. Okay, what's your address? Criminal justice courses, police academies, and even citizen police programs talk about 911 calls and what they listen for when someone calls in. That's where most investigations start. Generally, an innocent caller cannot accept that their friend or loved one is dead. They can't even say the word. They believe in miracles and want to get help as quickly as possible. Their lifeline is the 911 call. That person on the other end is going to get them help. Let's listen to Mark Gillespie as he discusses the 911 call. Well, when you ask what's your emergency, I don't view a typical response to be suicide. How does he know it's a suicide? You know, he goes in the bathroom, he finds a body draped over the tub, arms to his side, blood. That's a sign of a violent crime. How does he know that no one else is in the apartment, you know, with a weapon that is there, you know, hiding behind a door or a curtain in a closet, and yet Whitley is downstairs and he's not concerned about her? I just... I just find that response to be very unnatural and not typical in this type of a situation. He could have said, there's been a terrible accident. There's blood everywhere. But he says, we've had a suicide. She says, 911, what's your emergency? Well, and he responds, you know, we've, we've, we've had a suicide. Keep in mind, words people say are extremely important. We say words because we want to get across a certain message. We use pronouns. We use adjectives. We use words that modify other words. When you look at the words that people choose to use, that says a lot about what's going on in there around them at that time. And so when he says, ma'am, we've had a suicide, there are two red flags there. Number one is the word we've we have, and who is we? Well, we know that in that room, in that home, there was Whitley, there was Dylan, and there was Christian. But the interesting thing is, Dylan says that he was gone earlier. So, who is we've? To me, that implies that that implies him after the fact, based on what what he's saying, but yet. It leaves Whitley and some other person or persons who comprise the weave. Then you have the word suicide. Okay, suicide, that's, that's a terrible thing. But how does he know it's a suicide? I sent the 911 call one picture to a former LAPD officer. The audio with the former LAPD homicide detective is a bit spotty, but I thought it was important enough to share it with you all. I did not give him any information. He has no idea about this case at all. I am not going to censor what he said. Well, with this, how the heck supposed to kill himself? Suicide taking the night extremely bloody. I think he shot himself. What the fuck did you think that? He didn't. And how did you find him? Meanwhile, Dylan Swearingen has just given the 911 operator the name of the apartment complex. The Woodland Apartments. Woodland Apartments? What apartment number? 
While Dylan's on the phone with 911, the police have been dispatched to the apartment complex. Possibly going to be a complete 79. Dart 532 with him. The Woodlands 4501, Highway 39 North. The Woodlands is going to be apartment 801, apartment 801. Now Cedric's going to be in the bed in the bathroom. I believe he's not breathing. Bravo, when you copy. Copy direct. Copy direct. Hey, it's Bravo One. Hi. What's the apartment number at Woodland Department? Eight zero one. Eight eight one. No, no, no. Eight zero eight hundred and one. Eight hundred and one. It's Woodland Apartments. Yes, sir. And it's apartment number eight hundred and one. Yes, sir. Is there any letter? There's no letter. Um, no, sir. Apartment eight zero one. They're saying. And the call just came out that someone's not responsible. Right, possibly shot himself. They're thinking he committed suicide. They're saying bloods everywhere. Possibly shot himself. Okay. Uh, who, what's your initial officer going? Initial is Bravo Twelve. Bravo Twelve. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thanks. If you have delicate ears, please skip this part. Feeling for this address thing. Well, I mean, my God, where the fuck were they? They were just stalling for time. You know, where, where the hell are you? This is a you know, critical situation here. Tell me where you're at, exactly where you're at. You can't do that. Go to a neighbor and ask put a neighbor on the phone if you can't tell us where you're at. Right. Dylan Swearingen, who called 911 gave the dispatch Woodland Apartments, apartment number 801. Yes, it's very stressful to make a 911 call and give directions, but Dylan had done it once. Dylan's stepbrother received a phone call from Christian Andriacchio's phone. On the other line was Dylan, not Christian. Dylan's stepbrother then went into his office, told him he had to leave. There was an emergency, got into his private vehicle, and drove over to where? Christian Andriacchio's apartment complex. 
It would be the company he worked for that would send over the ambulance. So think about it. Dylan calls his stepbrother, who is an EMS, who goes over to the apartment. The big question is, why was it easy for Dylan to give him the correct address and not 911? So yes, it's very stressful to make a 911 call and give directions, but Dylan had done it once. Okay, and you said there's blood everywhere and he's across the bathroom? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and he's not breathing? No, ma'am. You know, and going through the transcript, and I'm actually looking at the transcript, type transcript of the call, but I find it interesting, his breathing, his breathing style. To me, that seems a little forced, a little theatrical. And then she asks him questions like at, the, at one point, she says, okay, do you, and, and he's not breathing? That was a question. And he answers, no, ma'am. And then there was a long silence. He's not saying anything. And then she asked, the 911 operator asked, okay, what's your name? And he says, Dylan Swearingen. I just find it very interesting that if I'm making a 911 call and other 911 calls I've heard before is that the 911 operator has a difficult time getting good information from the person because the person is all over the place. He's frantic. He's excited. He's crying. For lack of another way to describe it, he's incoherent. He's he's confused. He's upset. There's so many emotions and, and so much sadness. But Dylan didn't seem to be any of those things. He was kind of just answering questions, putting space between him and the next question. And, you know, he wasn't, he did not seem frantic at all, especially like someone you would expect who just had a very close friend have something dreadful happen to him. I don't think he's emotional. I think he's playing like he's got emotion through his breathing, but he's not frantic. He's really not upset. So I was this guy so god darn excited and out of breath. So he's acting like he's running around hiding shit or something. I just didn't, didn't I'd like to keep the sound of it. Dylan Swearinger. what was your first name? Dylan. Dylan? Yes, ma'am. Okay, hold on. You don't know how, there's no weapons or anything? I think he shot himself. Okay, you think he shot himself? She says, he says, I think he shot himself. Well, how does he know that? Yes, ma'am. I left to go to the store, and he uh he went to the bathroom. I thought he was taking a shower. Okay. Did he say that he was going to do this, or? No, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Who's that in the background? That's his girlfriend. His girlfriend's there too. Yes, ma'am. What's her name? Whitley Goodman. Whitney Goodman. Whitley, yes, ma'am. Okay, she's not. Okay, she's trying to touch anything. Okay. Whitley, Whitley. She is she. Uh, with him? Come down here. They don't want you to touch anything. This chick was going so crazy. I mean, how long did this person come back? And already, the guy's already done. Not like she saw it happen. She's acting like she was right there when it happened. It's funny because she was. It was. I mean, just it was like it was like a. It seemed contrived a little bit. And then I don't know. He yelled her, "Don't touch anything." What the fuck are you doing? Why, why, why was she up there touching stuff? 
she asks, okay, you think he shot himself? Yes, ma'am. I left to go to the store and he got, he went to the bathroom. I thought he was taking a shower. Okay. So a couple of things about this. I think he shot himself. Exactly. How does he know? Did he see the body? Because he's not with the body. What I found very interesting is that he was distancing himself from Christian's body instead of being with him. He was downstairs. He was outside. We have witnesses placing him in different various locations. Why would you not be with your dear friend or even an acquaintance when they're laying across a tub or worried about him? You, you just found a dead body. That's a excellent point and it strikes me that if I am making a 911 call based upon a gruesome discovery of my best friend who I find in the bathtub and as he says there's blood everywhere I am not going to run out and call 911 downstairs or stand in the middle of the street I'm going to stay with that body to to look for life signs you know is he completely dead that operator is going to have questions for me I'm going to need to know the answers so I'm going to be sitting standing right there it where it happened and I would expect that that's what he should be doing too and for him not to be there raises a huge red flag disassociation don't you think? Exactly, I do. That's an excellent point. Come on. Child, if, if it... Come here, Whitley. Come here. Come here. Okay, what, Come here. What's Whitley's last name? Come here. Ma'am. What's Whitley's last name? His last name. Good last name. Goodman. Goodman. G-O-O-D-M-A-N. Okay. I do got several on the way. We do have the ambulance on the way, too, okay? Whitley, come here. Come here, Whitley. Man, I really need to call a family member. Is that okay? You know, she tells him that she's got several officers on the way. Just stay on the phone with me. Then he responds, I really need to call somebody in the family. Well, if I'm making a 911 call, the most important person in the world that I could be talking to is that 911 operator because I've got a friend, a loved one, someone that's very close to me that's upstairs laying in a bathtub. He needs help, and that help needs to come now, and that my connection to that 911 operator is a lifeline. That is the most important connection in the world. Nothing else matters. And I got chills explaining this right now. And so it, it really bothers me that he wants to get off the phone, tell her that he needs to get off the phone and call a family member. Okay, hold on. Can I put you on hold? Okay, hold on one second, okay? Come here, Whitley. What? Just call, just, I know you can't calm down, please. During a 911 call, generally an innocent caller does not care about manners. And innocent callers use words that generally they don't use because it's an emergency. So they may cuss, they may try to convey the urgency of the situation by being very aggressive, not yes, ma'am. Now, I have had people say it's just the South. Again, the caller, an innocent caller, is generally very aggressive because there's a situation, a gunshot wound to the head, or their friend is dying or potentially dead. So they're very aggressive. Is that correct? 
Oh, 100%. You know, manners go out the window. Etiquette goes out the window. And, and being part of the South or part of the country, that, that has no bearing on this whatsoever. That caller is, is in the most dire situation they've ever been in in their life. And they will use language, profanity, words that they've never or rarely use just because they're upset, they're emotional, and they're trying to, they are trying to control that 911 operator to do what they want them and need them to do, and that is get help here fast. They're not going to talk in a calm manner. They're not going to talk in a civil manner. They don't mean to be harsh or rude, but they're trying to express the fact that this is a this is a dire emergency. This is a life or death situation. Get someone here. Get them here now and do whatever you need to do, but make it happen now. And they're going to express that in, in very colorful language, which is very, in most cases, probably very uncharacteristic of how they really are as, as people, but they're just trying to get their point across because it is an emergency. Interesting. So I wonder if it's uncharacteristic of Dylan to say yes, ma'am. Okay, so we do have everyone on the way, so if you need to let me go, you can, okay? Yes, yes ma'am. I really need to call okay. some family members. Just make sure that you're looking out for the officers, okay? Okay. They'll be there I have, Tell them I have the door open. Door is open? Yes, ma'am. And you'll see a, a silver BMW in the driveway. Okay, we have a couple officers that should be there in a minute, okay? Okay. All right. And then the 911 operator comes back and she says, okay, hold on. You don't know how. There's there's no weapon or anything. She starts asking more questions. And yet, still, he wants to get off the phone and call a family member. I find that to be outrageous. I asked one of our listeners, Brenda, to tell me who Dylan called. Here's what she said. When Dylan got off the phone from 911, who are the people that Dylan called? The first person he calls is Christy, who is Whitley's mother. And then there's another call placed to Christy. Then there is a call to Mimi, who is Whitley's aunt. And there are several calls back and forth to Dylan's grandfather. One more call to Dallas, who is Whitley's friend, and then one more to Mimi, who is her aunt, Kimberly. Were there any calls to the Andriacchio family? There were no calls whatsoever to anyone in the Andriacchio family. Were there any three-way calls during that period? During that period, there were two three-way calls. There was a call from the grandfather to Dylan and the number that was terminated is a number that comes back to a Florida number with a 305 area code. Then a few minutes later, there is a call originated from Mimi, who is Aunt Kimberly. The number dialed was Dylan's call, and the terminating call was again the Florida number with a 305 area code. This information came from the AG's office releasing all the documents. So in the middle of a 911 call, why would you need to make a three-way call? Exactly. And who is the three-way call to? And the three-way call number has been used. So Dylan's grandfather, Mimi, who is Aunt Kimberly, and Christy, who is Whitley's mom, all three have used that three-way call, correct? Not only have they all used it the day before... It was also used by two friends of Dylan's. We know by eyewitness testimony that Dylan's mother, Pam, Whitley's mother, Christy, Whitley's aunt, Kimberly, 
Whitley's aunt's fiance, Houston, and Dylan's stepbrother, Ben, were all at the scene. At no time did anyone call the Andriacchios. Well, within 10 minutes after calling 911, he made numerous calls to his own family members and also to the mom of Whitley. And I don't get that. And I don't get the three-way calling. I'd like to know the history of three-way calls, period, that he's made. There's something fishy there. Well, what's concerning to me is not only all the calls he's making, but again, isn't this about a 911 emergency of Christian Andriacchio? Who's with Christian? Christian. Who's worried about Christian up in the bathroom? Nobody. He's making phone calls to everybody. Yeah, I would think that he would frantically wait, keeping the line open, not being on the phone, so that if the 911 operator calls back, or if a police officer calls back, that he's able to to be gotten a hold of. I just don't like the way he's been on the phone during that period of time where, you know, the emergency is still ongoing. And where's your concern for your friend? You're in the middle of a 911 emergency and you stop to make all these phone calls. And we do know, based on eyewitnesses, that these people were at the scene. And another thing, you're in the middle of an emergency and the one person that you called outside of family members is Brett Kennedy. Hello? Dylan? Yeah. Okay, my officers are in the area. What building are you at? Uh, 801. Okay. When you go in the complex, how far do you, where do you go? As soon as you go in the complex, you're you pass the driveway, and then you'll take your next left, and you'll ride up the hill. And when you go up the hill, you you can't miss the car. It's like you'll see the car. It's a, a silver truck and a silver BMW beside each other. Okay, you said you're at Woodland Apartments, right? Right, 801. Okay, is there a, like an A or B or anything like that? I don't think so. Okay. Stay on the phone me one second. There's no letter on the building or anything? No, ma'am. You sure it's not apartment B1? No, ma'am, it's 801. Is it building eight? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and this is the Woodlands, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we're showing the apartment building at the Woodlands to have a building number and then a letter. Ma'am? The, the Woodlands have a building number and then a letter for the apartment. Like 5E e or something like that. I don't know where the, the number is. Can you step outside? Yeah, I'm outside right now. See a letter anywhere on the apartments? No, ma'am. There's a woodland on 39, right? Yes, ma'am. All I see is an eight on the houses. You see an eight? So it's building eight? Yes, ma'am. Do you see a letter on his door or anything? Ma'am, I had to use his phone and my mom was calling me. Give me just a second, okay? 
I'm not going to hang up on you. Okay, we just need to find out where you're at. Hold on one second. Hello, one. Right. Well, ma'am? Yes, sir. It, I don't see any letters on it. All I see is a number eight on top of the houses, and then you'll see 801 up under the, the door. Are you seeing any officers or anything? No, ma'am. You're sure you're at the Woodlands, right? Yes, ma'am. The Woodlands are 39 by uh, McDonald's when you pass it. Okay, give me just a second there. They're at the Woodlands. I can't seem to find you. Give me just a second. I don't think he's emotional. I think he's playing like he's got emotion through his breathing, but he's not frantic. He's really not upset. And also, you might want to call up to Whitley. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you know, Whitley's there. She's she's dating Christian. You know, she was living there. She's she spent a lot of time there. I think she would know the answer to that question. What is the address? Why didn't he ask her? You know, he didn't do that. Are you sure you're not at 801 Deer Run at Willow Ridge? Well. Hold on. Okay, I know you're upset, so I just, I'm, I'm seeing where he's called before from Willow Ridge. Is this Willow Ridge? This is Willow Ridge. I'm sorry. It's okay. I understand. You're upset. 801 Willow Ridge. you can't touch anything in there. You got to come out here. They don't want you to touch anything. Okay. Now we got your right address. We got officers on the way over there, okay? All right. It's just give us a few more minutes, okay? Okay. All right. When the 911 dispatch operator finally realized that Dylan had given her the wrong address, she was able to redirect the police to the proper apartment. They were nine minutes away. After listening to the breakdown, you decide what you think of this 911 call. My experts and I have the same opinion. Whenever I sit down with families, it's very emotional. This was no exception. Josh. Ray, myself, and Lori Morrison, a private investigator, sat down together. I thought I would have you all listen in on the conversation regarding the 911 call. I guess the first one would be the time that 911 was called, because obviously he had been dead for some time. And I mean, they clearly knew about it. So, I mean, it's the only option is that it was it was fake. It was staged. I mean, I think it'd probably be a pretty hard thing for a normal person, first off, to kill somebody, but then to also leave that person there for hours and then go as far as to stage the 911 call the way that they did. I mean, because, of, I mean, it's pretty 
dramatic, like way more than a, what a normal 911 call is like. I mean, I've heard a lot and I'm no expert, but I've never heard anyone on any 911 call act the way Whitley was acting in the background. You've listened to the 911 call through when you first started listening to it, what struck you in the call? The first thing was Dylan trying to get off the phone to call the family, but we were never called. I mean, he never sent a text message or made a phone call or anything. I mean, we never, neither one of them ever contacted us to let us know what happened or or anything, which I think is what a normal person probably would do. Especially if you're telling, like, the operator, I need to get off so I can call the family. I mean, I would think that they would call the family. I mean, he didn't just say it one time. He, he repeated it over and over again because he apparently had to call the family right then and never made that call. I thought it was interesting, too, on the 911 call. I'm trying to put myself in that situation. I'm still going to be talking about that person in the present tense. It is not going to have sunk into me yet the the reality of, of what I'm seeing. And instead of saying my friend's hurt, my friend's been shot, anything like that, he's already pushing the narrative that it's a suicide. And he never says, my friend Christian. To me, it was distancing himself from Christian. You're so horrified when you're making a 911 call. Usually you give the information, but that's a loved one. You, that's your buddy. Wouldn't you talk about him saying, my friend Christian? Yeah, I mean, even in his statement, like his handwritten statement, to me, some of the stuff just seems like it feels coached because some of the the way he words certain things are not the way a normal civilian who has literally no experience or knowledge of law enforcement knows. I mean, maybe he knows, maybe he's an ARC or something. I don't know. Maybe he knows a law enforcement officer. But to my knowledge, he's not like training to be in the academy or anything like that. But the way he words things on the 911 call and then the his handwritten statement afterwards, like in the 911 call, he opens up with, we've got a suicide. And that's something that a cop would say or, you know, somebody with authority would say. And then at the end of his statement, he's describing the police coming to the scene. And he doesn't say the police, you know, showed up or anything like a normal person, like a civilian would talk. He says the police secured the scene. Normal people don't talk like that. I mean, normal people don't, when they're handwriting a statement or anything, if they don't have any knowledge of how an investigation works or anything like that, they don't refer to the police showing up to the police secured the scene. That's just not a normal way to phrase something, unless you're a cop. But if you have a stepbrother who's an EMS. Yeah, that's. I actually didn't even think about the connection with the stepbrother because that would be somebody who would phrase something like that. Because he's secured the scene, the cops have secured the scene. Those are words that an EMS would actually use. And if he arrived there, which is what it appears to, you know, a good bit before police, he's had time to go through the steps with them of this is they're going to arrive they're going to ask you this they're going to probably you know bag your hands for gunshot residue they're going to ask you i mean he's had time to prep both of them to what what questions are going to be asked i mean even down to you know i have wondered about 
you know, why was he using Christian's phone? Well, I mean, did he know? I mean, I had wondered if anybody had told him that they might take his phone. So if he's using Christian's phone, well, then he could say, well, I mean, I didn't have my phone. But, you know, if he's using his phone to call everybody, well, then he can't really say that. Um, I don't know. I just felt like there was a reason for them saying that Whitley's phone was broke was because they may have been told they may take your phones and they can dump everything off your phone. So if you say the phone's broke, I mean, nobody ever asked any questions about her phone. It was just taken as, you know, truth. And, you know, it just a lot of things were just accepted with no questioning that I think typically there would have been a lot more questioning or red flags raised, but it was like everybody was just ignoring it and just going with, okay, this is what they said. Okay, next. Let's move on to the next thing. Ben was hysterical and crying and breaking down. That's not a normal reaction for an EMS worker unless they've done something that they're extremely nervous about. This guy didn't know Christian. So, I mean, why would he be crying because this guy he didn't know? Acting nervous. I asked him if he felt like Ben was acting more like someone who witnessed a murder versus Dylan. And he said, yes, that's a good point. EMS workers shouldn't react that way. I mean, yeah, I mean, they... they roll up on scenes like that all that i mean you know you're prepared for that i mean i would think if anything he would have been very clinical very you know um i didn't realize that he had said that hmm. well and i wonder too you call 911 why aren't you at least hoping against hope that they can do something well especially if you haven't gone in and checked on him you don't even know if he's not still breathing yeah hurry my friend needs help that I, I can't believe that there was nothing like that. There's any chance, any chance they're alive. You're you're asking them to get there as soon as possible. You're not laughing. You're not glib. You're, oh, my gosh, you've got to get here. I know that for a fact because I've been there. It's get here right now. Well, and if you're that upset, like he attempted to appear at the beginning of the phone call with the heavy breathing and all that, but then Houston says that he seems pretty chill, calm, and then he's having this bizarre conversation with Houston, like I said, and Kimberly, that is so totally off subject from what is going on that it just that's just really strange to me. I mean, that to me is more almost you're more worried about Kimberly and Houston and trying to send a message to Houston and make Kimberly feel uncomfortable. You're more worried about this relationship here than you're you're not even thinking about what's going on over here. Think of that, Ray. I mean, that to me, that's what I thought of. That's more like sticking it to Houston and him not even realizing it. You know, it's that passive aggressive jab. The 911 call, what struck you? Well, I haven't really. I've listened to it one time when it first, you know, when we first had access to it, and that was pretty much it. I mean, to me, it was the wailing, like I said, the kind of overdramatic. I mean, Whitley was not an emotional person. Josh had even commented in the past about how unemotional she was when like her and Christian would get into a fight and Christian would say, well, pack your stuff and get out. And she'd go, okay. And she'd pack her stuff and then they would make up. And he had even commented before, I mean, this has been a year, years ago that he had never seen a girl be so emotionally detached that, you know, she would just shrug her shoulders and go, okay. And didn't argue, didn't, it was just very passive approach. So, 
you know, I don't buy this. Oh, and then and then so you're that upset. But then two days later, you're shacking up with Burns Mayfield at his house for the weekend at a party going, oh, I'm a fucking genius because I got away with it. I think that all of that, you know, you know, you don't go from I'm hysterical over losing this person to, oh, OK, whatever. Uh, two days later. I, I agree with you. It, it just seems very out of out of place. I mean, you know, you don't see her, you know, she she sends Matt Miller this message at 1130, 11, saying, you know, come pick me up, Christian's kicking me out. I mean, there was no, again, we don't know what her context that is in, but it seems pretty cut and dry. It kind of goes along with what he says. We're okay. You know, you want me out? Okay. I just don't think that Whitley establishes emotional attachments with people period uh she did she uses people and she discards them and she moves on to the next one and you know she can do that very easily because she doesn't really care about anybody but whitley i will continue the conversation with bonus episodes on my patreon page without warning please go to withoutwarningpodcast.com and buy a t-shirt and show your support to christian andriacchio Without warning, executive director, executive producer, and host, Sheila Waisaki. Mix and mastering by Resonant Recording. And announcer, Tim Evans. <laughs>